Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Healthy Gut Podcast with Rebecca Coombs, the place where you can learn how to achieve a happy, healthy gut. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Welcome to episode 17 of the Healthy Gut Podcast. And today I'm joined by Kirsty Barchak, who is the founder of afreshlegacy.com and creator of the Kitchen Garden Box. She inspires and helps families to start their own vegetable garden and experience the benefits of fresh food. She believes that anyone can grow at least one vegetable or herb at home and have a positive impact on family time and the creation of good food habits. Her first book, Grow Just One Thing, The First Step in a Fresh Food Journey, was published in March 2016. And Kirsty was diagnosed with SIBO in July 2016 and has modified her family vegetable garden to include more SIBO-friendly vegetables that she can enjoy as part of her meals. Kirsty and I talk all about that journey. She was already eating an incredibly healthy and varied diet, yet when she got her SIBO diagnosis, she found it quite confronting that vegetables that she had once eaten with abundance had to be taken off the list for the moment, and that was quite challenging for her. We also talk about the lifestyle and the mindset component that she needed to address in order to regain her health and how she did that and also how she managed this condition when she is a busy uh, working woman who's also a mother running a very busy household and how she had to learn to take time for herself. Now guys, I'd love you to stick around to the end of the podcast. I've got some really exciting stuff to share with you, so do stick around and I hope you enjoy today's episode with Kirsty Barchak. Welcome to the show, Kirsty Barchak. It's lovely to have you here. Hi Rebecca, thanks for having me. That's my pleasure. Now, I'd love to get straight into your story. And we met each other, gosh, what is it, over a year ago now. And we did a business course together where we got the opportunity to meet. Um, I just absolutely love your business so much. It's just such a gorgeous thing to do, helping people learn how to plant and grow their own veg. And it was actually through our connection at, the, at this business course, KPI, uh, that we did, that you started to learn a little bit more about SIBO. So over to you to tell me or our listeners about your journey to date and your own personal experience with SIBO. Sure. Okay. Um, it is. That's exactly exactly right. I think if I hadn't have met you, I'd probably still be trying to work out what the heck was wrong with me. So I've I've had digestive issues for as long as I can remember. So as a baby, I was um, dairy intolerant so and had eczema as well as a child quite severely. So from a young age, my mom experimented with various non-dairy milks for me. And at a stage during my childhood, I was able to reintroduce milk um, 
But then when I started working and was in a high-pressure job, I started to get a lot of digestive issues reoccurring. Um, And over the years, I've worked out what the triggers were um, to some degree and have modified my diet accordingly, but just suffered on and off with bloating, pains in the stomach, um, eczema reoccurring, and then um, this year I've also suffered from rosacea and really sore joints um, and some tingling in my arms, um, particularly that's caused me a lot of problems. So um, I've, I've had multiple tests at doctors to try to find out what, what different symptoms were related to and they always came back to say there was nothing wrong with me and no issues with my health Um, and I clearly knew there was something radically wrong. (laughs) Um, For me things got worse after the birth of my second son. My health kind of suffered from from that point on so I guess it, it reached a real critical point for me when I was doing and um, exhibiting my business at an event um, about six months ago and I was next to a stand that had some kombucha and um, herbal remedy drinks and I tried some of them and I also had a, a lunch that was provided on the day which was really heavily grain-based and um about half an hour later, I started to go get cold sweats and severe pains in the stomach and I almost threw up. And because I was the only person at my stand <laughs> and I had customers coming by um, trying to talk to me, that was just really distressing to have to kind of run off in the midst of this um, major event and try not to be sick. <laughs> so I thought, oh no, I just can't go on like this. I need to work out what the heck's wrong with me. And I'd been talking to or listening to your story, I guess, as part of the course that we were doing and hearing bits and pieces from you. And I thought, oh, you know, some of those things are what I've experienced in. So I started to do some reading on the uh, SIBO website and um, I did the online test and uh, that came up saying that it was highly likely I could have SIBO and I should see a practitioner so I um, found a naturopath and went and had the SIBO breath test completed in July and that came back as positive um, with a high methane methane dominant um, result and I started off on the um, the, the biphasic diet and I did that for about 12 weeks and I just found that incredibly <laughs> difficult um, to be so restricted in my diet because my whole life my business is around food and I'm a recipe developer so I'm constantly cooking and creating new things and this was to me was just like running into a massive brick wall and I just found it extraordinarily um stressful and um but I thought you know what our diet is overall really healthy we didn't eat processed foods um our food is is predominantly based on what I'm growing in our vegetable garden and so I thought you know this is going to be quick and easy I'll just follow the rules do what people tell me to do and it'll all be done and dusted really soon because I know I'm starting from a pretty good 
point. So I stayed by all the rules. I didn't deviate once from the diet. Um, I was really strict and uh, retested in September and I was feeling much, much better. My symptoms had dramatically reduced and I thought, beauty, this is fine. I'm going to come up it's back to normal and life can go on so I retested and actually came back exactly the same (laughs) so um that was kind of devastating really to have put so much effort into being really strict um and following the the required diet and my treatment plan um that my naturopath had set so I, I've stayed on the biphasic diet for a little while, but um, I've now moved on to the, uh, the fast-tracked diet, um, which I'm finding a little easier from a lifestyle perspective because I can incorporate more food that I enjoy. So for me at the moment, uh, you know, things are kind of at a stable base. Uh, my symptoms are under control. Um, I'm sticking to the diet in that I don't deviate and, and have any anything with sugar or anything processed. I'm still avoiding grains and all those things that are um, recommended on on the both the diet plans that I've been on. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of at a point now where the next point that's been recommended for me is antibiotics. So I'm just thinking about um, how I, how and if I want to go down that path. <laughs> And that can often be a really big decision for a lot of people because for many of us, and I speak to a lot of people, the concept of taking antibiotics after quite often significant antibiotic use in the past can be quite daunting. Um, Quite often people have made a decision, and I myself very much fall into this category of thinking, I don't ever want to take antibiotics ever again unless my life depends on it. So to then have the concept of, oh gosh, I might have to take antibiotics for this bacterial overgrowth, but did that cause my bacterial overgrowth in the first instance because I took so many antibiotics? I can imagine you might be in that position. Is that how you feel around the concept of taking antibiotics? Um, a little bit. I, I don't particularly like to take any medication <laughs> unless I really have to. So yeah, it is that, but, um, you know, um, the thing that I find most difficult with SIBO is that there are so many forums and there's so much information and there's so many people who want to give you advice and, you know, it's well-meaning advice and they're doing it because they care about you. But I just, I find that really difficult to take on board everybody else's information and feelings and experiences about it when um, it's such an individual disorder for people that what might work for somebody else isn't necessarily going to work for me. So I'm really keen to just stay on the path that my naturopath is is putting me on. Um, I guess for me, the the thing with antibiotics is just wondering whether that is going to be really the be-all and end-all. Like, is that going to be the trigger that um, gets me clear of SIBO so I can move to the next phase of the treatment? So, yeah, I don't know. I'm just unsure. (laughs) I'm not exactly sure. It's one of those – it's just been such a bumpy ride um, from from the beginning (laughs) – that, yeah, I'm just not convinced that 
that that is going to work after you know getting to this point after so many months yeah and I think it's really a great point that you raised around it needing to be completely individual to oneself and that we can use the diets and the treatment protocols as a guide but we really need to play our own private investigator and work out what has gone wrong in our own bodies to have caused SIBO to develop because it doesn't just occur in a healthy body. Something must become dysfunctional in order for that bacteria to grow in excess numbers and also understand that we need as individuals in terms of treatment to help us get through it. I know I talk about that quite a bit in episode eight with Angela Pfeiffer around really delving deeply into one's personal history to understand what went wrong and to also get an idea of what could be done for treatment. I'd like to talk about the emotional side of being on a journey with SIBO where you haven't experienced perhaps the results you were hoping to um, well at the outset. Can you talk a little bit about that journey for yourself? Sure. I guess um, for me, because I was just really convinced that it would be a short-term thing for me. <laughs> yeah, I kind of set myself aside to think, you know, we eat well and so this can't be that bad for me. I really can't have it severely as what I'm sure lots of people do because, um, you know, we follow a pretty good diet. So I thought, you know, a few tweaks here and there and pretty quickly this thing will be under control and I can move on um you know it's been really it's it's been something that's raised a whole heap of emotion for me because my business is based around food and um, growing food preparing food and developing um, recipes with that food it's been it's been a thing of great frustration and, and also real anger for me. It's really raised all these emotions that I wasn't expecting t- to come to the surface. So um, it's been a really rocky, bumpy <laughs> ride, um, you know, because it's impacted our lifestyle significantly. Just as one example, um, every Sunday afternoon our family has had um, snacks on the deck we call it for the last you know number of years so at four o'clock no matter what everybody is doing um, we all come together on the deck and we have cheese and we have um, you know rice crackers and I made dips and we might have some smoked trout if it's a special weekend or something but we get together and we chat about the week that's coming and we just spend really nice after the rest of the day and the evening um, relaxing together and it's all based around this beautiful food that we have out there might be nuts and um, dried fruit and whatever else we have around so um, when I was diagnosed with SIBO I couldn't eat anything on that plate not one single thing and for the first two weeks um You know, my kids and my husband were outside um, as part of our regular Sunday on the deck. I couldn't even go outside. Like, I could not go and sit out there and watch them eat the beautiful snacks. And I just didn't feel like I could participate. I just found it so stressful and, you know, just really upsetting. (laughs) So um, that was a really hard hard time to have to I guess think about ways that I could adapt 
so that I could still participate in that special family time. So so I did, given that <laughs> recipe developing is something that, that I love to do. I worked with some of the ingredients that were allowed to use as part of the diet and I made um, some dips and um, worked out how I could still join in and eat a small amount. And I found since I moved to the fast track diet that and can incorporate cheese um, easily in my diet now that that was a huge help (laughs) Um, but cheese is such a food of love for so many people I myself love cheese and having to restrict cheese well it just feels like you know like you're going to prison doesn't it it's just awful it is because so you know when you go to people's house and they get out their cheese and crackers and the dips it's such a um lovely food to have at the center of a gathering (laughs) so um yeah that that was hard but you know it's the same as everything you take take your tiny steps and you keep moving forward and you get to a point where you work out a solution or you know a point in time where you can incorporate things Yeah, definitely. And I think it's really interesting to hear your own personal experience around finding a diet protocol that works for you. Because I do hear from a lot of people that are following a protocol and it's just not working for them. They're still really, you know, um, quite painful and debilitating symptoms. And perhaps their practitioner has said to them that they recommend they follow a low FODMAP diet, but you know, it's just not right for them. Can you talk to myself and the listeners around whether you noticed a symptomatic change so that the symptoms you were experiencing once you switched from the biphasic diet to the fast track diet, did things change quite quickly for you? Um, not not hugely, I don't think. I think I, cha- I really wanted to change from the biphasic diet because I found it so incredibly restrictive and I'd seen on the fast track that your cheese was included. I was like, all I want to do is eat cheese. Please just let me eat cheese. Um, but what I found was that after going through the biphasic steps, my eczema um, cleared up and healed. But I have this one finger, um, my middle finger on my right hand, that is like an indicator now. It's the most bizarre thing. But if I eat something that doesn't... Um, agree with my body or my system that finger gets incredibly itchy and sore it gets swollen and red and it's and it still does it it does it now so I'll know within half an hour of eating something whether or not it's a it's an issue for me so (laughs) my finger tells me it's really strange I know but um that's kind of my guideline (laughs) to keep me on track and um you know I just take notice and listen to my body and listen to what it's telling me and make adjustments so I find that even if it's a food that um, I can eat um, the issue for me I guess is more that uh, for our family I I love incorporating fresh produce um, from our garden into our diet and I use a lot like it's not uncommon to put seven or eight vegetables into a single meal Um, For me, that's the way I cook and I like my children to get a uh, huge variety of different foods. So for me, I had to completely change my mindset and take those things out. So instead of me having on my plate 
that those you know seven or eight or whatever vegetables I found that it, it was just too much for my body and even if they were considered to be okay to eat from the diet's perspective in combination it was just too much so um I kind of pulled back to sticking with you know three or four and found that that helped so I think you know it's very much trial and error and I found um that the food diary that you shared with me was really helpful way for me to get a clear um view and a clear understanding of how different foods were working for me or not working for me because you know with in the scheme of things with everything that goes on in your day your food's a huge part (laughs) when you have something like SIBO um, because it's constantly in your mind but um, that so all the other things that happen in your day can make you forget that you did in fact have a handful of nuts you know as a snack and then you had something else and then you had something else so unless I wrote it down and gave myself a good way to look back and really study and think about um, the implications of those foods especially at the start of my process um it's easy to overlook what it is that's causing the problem or you just think, oh, this is so hard, I don't know what that was. It could have been the carrot, it could have been the radish, it could have been this. But if you've written it down, you can follow your patterns and um, pretty quickly work it out. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I developed the Food and Mood Diary and anyone listening to the show can download a copy of that um, in the show notes. And it's a really great way to see patterns, to see what symptoms are occurring after eating certain foods. And I know that you and I worked together in your early days of having SIBO around looking at those patterns. I think um, a really great thing that you also, um, I love the fact that you have um, a finger that's your <laughs> indicator. I think it's brilliant. If only we so all had a strange. little, you know, one finger that said, hey, I'm not happy. Um, only, only us SIBO people understand why that's so wonderful. It's better than having a bloated belly anyway, so that's... <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. I'd take a finger any day over a bloated belly. Um, but it's really interesting how we become so much more attuned to our bodies. For a period of time, I had a neck. So you had a finger, I had a neck. And if I, you know, as I was reintroducing foods, um, coming off or going onto a more relaxed version of the biphasic diet, the back of my neck was my indicator for foods that were perhaps just a little bit too much. And I think often it was just the load so that was how much I was having rather than the food being problematic itself. And I got a bit itchy on the back of my neck and I'd be like, okay, that food was, you know, well, yeah, I went a bit crazy. I pushed the limits. I pushed the boundaries. I ate way too much than I should have. Next time I'll reduce it and then I'll reduce the quantity. Then I'd reduce the quantity next time I ate it and my neck would tell me uh, whether that was suitable or not. But I'm sure there are many people listening that may have something that occurs on their body that is their indicator. And I'd love to hear from the listeners. Send us a message or um, on any of our social media channels and tell us what you experience as your little indicator because it would be really great to see how many necks and fingers (laughs) and other parts of the body there are. And I wonder if we've got toes or anything else like that. So let's talk about the way you and your food 
um, because one of the things I just loved when I first met you was your whole philosophy around growing produce. And I think it's great. I think one of the things that's the downfall of the Western world these days is we've become really detached from our produce, from growing our own food, and you're really doing something about that. So talk to myself and the listeners around your philosophy around your business and what you do with your produce. Okay, so my it's my dream really that um, every Australian family will grow at least one fresh food item at home and that that will allow them to experience the benefits of fresh food. So everything around my business um, from my website to um, the content that I create there um, and the free information I provide to people as well as my products is all based around helping people to take that step to start their vegetable garden, to get their kids involved in the process and to start to develop some healthy um, exposure and understanding of food and how it grows and how you can incorporate it easily into your life. So... um, For us, that started when my children were born um, and I've created a vegetable garden in a suburban home that um, now feeds our family on average about $240 worth of fresh veggies during the summer months and we collect fresh ingredients every single day for our family meals across the other months of the year. So... um, One of the things that I did when I found out I had SIBO was um, going through the diet list, was trying to work out, well, okay, what does this mean for our garden and and what I grow and what I cook and um, how I feed my family? So because all our meals are based on what's seasonally available in the garden, um, I base my menu around what's ready to harvest and that's then incorporated into our meals so that had to change slightly so um I planted a SIBO garden (laughs) well I called it a SIBO garden because um it was winter when I found when I was diagnosed with SIBO so um I created a new section of the garden um that was all of the um foods that I knew I could eat so it had bok choy and kale and um, spring onions and lots of lettuces and things in it so it was a way for me to get my head into a nice space because for me the garden is a real place of peace Um, it helps me relax it gets me away from my desk and writing and into the fresh air Um, it's a connection time for our family because the kids being involved in the process um, means that they're really connected to the food that we eat so the food that comes inside they've helped to grow and our meals are a celebration in one sense in that you know we're saying we're eating the carrots tonight that um, my little boy grew so you know everyone's excited about what we're doing with those carrots tonight so um, you know creating that new space in the garden was I guess a mental thing for me (laughs) to start to focus on how I would be changing what it was that was going into our, our meals slightly I think that's just so wonderful having that celebration of food and celebrating eating the carrots that your son has grown because it's just, you know, isn't that glorious? 
Um, what, what's your advice to anybody that's listening that's saying, well, that's great, you've got a garden, I don't. How do I grow something when perhaps I live in, in an apartment or I don't have access to a garden space? How can people still get involved in growing something at least? Um, I found one of the early points in my diagnosis that gave me a great sense of relief, I guess you would call it, and satisfaction was that herbs and spices could be included in whatever you were um, cooking. So they create the flavour as well as a huge amount of additional um, nutrients when they're freshly collected. So herbs are something that you can grow in a pot. You don't need to have a garden. Um, You most definitely don't need a garden space to grow vegetables or herbs. They can... You can use any container that you have on hand. You don't even need to go out and buy something. You know, the school garden, I've seen them planting a toaster of all things, but, you know, an old toaster that didn't work. But you can plant in any sort of pot, um, put it at the back door, put it on your windowsill, um, so long as it gets uh, four to six hours of sunlight and it's in good soil. So you do need to make sure you use a... um, a good soil from the nursery and when I say good soil I mean one that's been specifically designed for um, herbs and vegetables and in Australia I'm not sure about the rest of the world but you can get there is a marking on some of those packets that say that it's suited to organic gardening so they're the ones I look out for Um, so yeah you don't need a lot of space to grow you really can start off small with just one thing and you know it's amazing the nutrient as well as the flavor boost that you will get from the simple addition of a handful of herbs to your meal exactly many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My partner and I live in an inner city apartment, so we don't have a garden. We've got a balcony and we grow. Um, We've got a big bunch of herbs, which we grow here. And it probably gets just shy of maybe four or five hours of sunlight a day. So we don't get a huge amount of direct sun on the balcony. But I really love just being able to pop onto the balcony and snip some fresh coriander or cilantro, as it's known in the States, and putting it in my meal or parsley or anything like that. But something my partner is doing at the moment, which I cannot wait for because it's summertime here in Australia at the moment, um, is on his office balcony, he has much longer sunlight hours there and he's growing fresh tomatoes. So we're about to have this abundance of tomatoes, this huge tomato crop, which I'm really excited about. And then something just joyous around seeing something grow that you've grown with your own hands. Um, And I'd like to talk about that with you. You mentioned before taking time out of a busy or stressful day and going and standing outside and reconnecting and looking at what you're growing. I think it's really important and one of the five key pillars to health which I talk about in episode one of the podcast is about being mindful and also looking at your lifestyle and looking at how you can de-stress 
and reconnect with your body. Reconnect with nature because when we're chronically ill and in pain and we're feeling really sick and we can very, very easily focus on the negative things, the pain, the things we can't do. Um, So I'd love for you to just talk to the listeners around the impact that going out and looking at your SIBO garden, um, what that had on you psychologically going through this treatment. Mm, Sure. Um, I think for me, one of the big challenges uh, I realised was that um, my breakfast and my lunch were really quickly, um, really quick activities. So I spent a lot of time planning our family evening meals and making sure that as a family, I was presenting something at the table that was really health, really healthy and um you know, a, a beautiful way to get together at the end of the day. But my lunch p- particularly was a complete another story. I would usually eat it really quickly, probably at my computer or at three o'clock at the kitchen bench once I realised that, oh my gosh, I have to go get the kids in 15 minutes and I haven't even had lunch yet. So um, one of the things the garden does for me now is I plan I plan my to have lunch which is a new thing for me and I don't sit at the computer anymore I choose a spot to sit so that's often outside in the garden or um, at a table outside but I'll go out to the garden first and I'll collect the ingredients that I'm going to add to my lunch and um, as I always have uh, lettuce growing in my garden all year all year round. Um, we're lucky enough in our climate to be able to do that. So usually lettuce is, is part of my lunch <laughs> just because I always have it on hand. So I'll go out to the garden and I'll collect what I'm going to be using and then I'll, because I'm doing, you know, that process, I'm thinking about, well, what am I going to make? And I'm not rushing that process anymore. Whereas before I might have grabbed a piece of sourdough and chucked a bit of tomato on or a piece of ham or a slice of cheese or something. Whereas now I'll make a proper lunch. I'll always make sure our dinner has leftovers that I can eat and then I can make a salad to accompany it. So um, the garden is, is, giving me a different process and changing the way my day is structured now so that um, it's more focused on that food process and eating and, you know, just sitting and enjoying that five minutes and savouring what it is that you're about to eat and thinking about it and being thankful for it because you've watched it grow and I've looked after it and I've watched its progress. I've planted my garden from seed. So, you know, it's not a short process. It's something that's taken time and patience and care. So it's a nice, it's a nice process. Um, I was really concerned about time prior to all this happening and focusing on what I could possibly get done in those school hours in this limited time that I had to work. But, you know, I just had to take a step back and realise that it was making me sick and I was not going to get better unless I started to really slow down, focus on my food and my digestion and let my body do its work rather than continuously just trying to drive forward I guess or um, cram in as much as I possibly could Um, it wasn't doing me any favours and things had to change so that's one of the ways I've changed things. I am just so thrilled to hear you talk about this and talking in a way because I remember 
When you first got your diagnosis, and we spent many times chatting about it, one of the things you used to say is, but I'm too busy. I don't have time to make time for myself for lunch, Rebecca. You know, I've got to eat on the go. I've got so much to do. I can't fit everything into my day when the kids are at school and I've got to be quick. And it's just so interesting for me to hear the journey that you've gone on around realising that sometimes you just need to slow down and allow your body to heal. And what a great metaphor around that growing your produce takes time and patience and so does regaining our health. Yeah, thank you. It's been, it has been a challenge to let go of that busy mindset. Um, but, you know, I've just had to stand back and say, well, if I have one less blog post up per week, that's, a, that's something I've imposed on myself that I think I should ha- have a certain amount of content available for people to have access to and things that I'm looking to achieve. But, you know, realistically, if I don't have my health, I'm not going to achieve anything (laughs) and I really can't help anybody um, particularly my family if I'm not well so um, I yeah it was really important to refocus and let go (laughs) just let go and I think sometimes as women we can often be our own worst enemies we feel the need to often well not all women but we feel the need to be doing everything and I often say to some of my clients who are mums that if mum in the house isn't well, then how can the house be well? Because we are still still such a central point in running in the running of the house. So I'm just so excited to hear that journey that you've gone on and kudos to you for making changes that you've needed to make to support your body to be on a path towards health and wellness. So yay for you. (laughs) Thank you. I think mentally it's a relief as well when you remove some pressure from yourself and you start to not only feel better in your health but also better in your um, well-being and in your mind and just feeling not so wound up and stressed is, you know, a really good thing for everybody. (laughs) It is. One thing I remember we talked about in the early days was around the seasonality of food and one food that is on the biphasic diet that you eat from the beginning is tomatoes and I remember having a conversation with you where you were like, no, I don't eat tomatoes in the winter. They're not a winter food. They're a summer food. Mm -hmm. Um, Why is it important for us to be looking at the seasonality of our food and eating food when it's in season rather than food that's been sitting in a deep freeze somewhere or has come from the other side of the world? Um, Predominantly, for me, it's taste and um, it's about having food that doesn't have the food miles and doesn't have all the excess that goes around those food miles, around the storage and the transport. Um, But... It's also about the nutritional value of the food because studies have shown that tomatoes that are harvested green, which is what happens when they have to be transported long distances and they have to have a shelf life in a store before the customer buys it and takes it home and sits it on their own bench for a week, um, they have to be harvested green. They have 31% less vitamin C than those that are allowed to ripen on the vine. And it's the same with all all vegetables and all herbs. So green peas, for example, lose 51% of their ascorbic acid within 48 hours of being harvested. So for me, 
something's in season when it's in my garden and I've picked it and I eat it straight away, that's when it's at its highest um, nutritional peak and it's the most flavoursome at that time. Um, it's supposed to grow then. That's, you know, the conditions around that particular food uh, are right for that food at that time. So um, that's, you know, I prefer to everything I I try to teach my children is around supporting as well when we can't produce enough of our own food it's about supporting local producers and local farmers rather than buying something in from another country um, I, I would like to support our own um, area and our own regions so uh, that's that's a really important thing for me morally um, I've got strong feelings about that so when I found out I had SIBO and I could eat tomatoes I was like okay, I love tomatoes, that's fantastic, but uh, how? Like I had, to, I had to actually force myself to eat tomatoes and I did, I did have to get over that stumbling block because I thought, well, if I don't eat tomato that's out of season now, this was in the middle of winter for us, um, what am I going to eat? All the main foods on the list that were suitable for eating were summer-based foods so one of the reasons I planted the SIBO garden was obviously to incorporate um, some of the winter-based foods as well but um, I kind of had to give up a little bit on my strong (laughs) beliefs and say you know what you need to eat and just get over it and you need to get some nutrients into your body whether they're coming at the right time from the right place you kind of need to eat <laughs> more importantly so um you know it that's obviously is my preference to have the food that's fresh out of our garden at the right time in the right season but um you also have to maintain your health and your energy and it can be tricky when especially when you first get started on the SIBO diets to work out what the heck you're going to eat um, especially for some people if it's a extremely radical change from their current diet so uh, yeah I tried not to to put my beliefs ahead of my health <laughs> yeah and I think that those early days particularly um, but when you're trying to really grasp this new way of eating I think applying or overlaying seasonality could just almost feel like you can't do it and I think the first step is getting um, eating the foods that are going to help you feel a bit better and help reduce your symptoms because the diet component really is used for symptom control and then looking at like what you did the foods that perhaps you could grow and you could connect with and then bringing that into your diet at a later point it can be so overwhelming in those early days Um, what has your SIBO diagnosis and subsequent treatment had Uh, what impact has that had on your family and your kids as well has it changed the way you do things as a family or look at food or even the way in particular you've um, talked a little bit around how you've really worked on making time for yourself have there been any other positive impacts um, with this condition um the strange thing is that because I was unwell for so many years and nobody could tell me what the problem was um my son in the last year and a half my eldest son he's eight he's been complaining about having a sore stomach 
on and off. So um, what I decided to do was to try to investigate and we have already previously been to the doctors had numerous tests and they also all came back as um, he's fine there's he doesn't have any issues or celiac indicators or anything like that he's okay so I thought no you know what this is I'm in my 40s I'm my son's eight there is no way on this earth I'm going to make him go on the journey that I've been on and felt so unwell for so many years so um, I took him to see the naturopath that I'd started seeing and he had a, um, a blood test to look at his um, immune response to different foods and we found out that he's egg, dairy and um, all wheats and gluten intolerance. So it was, it was a real relief for me to find out what it was that was causing his discomfort and to be able to immediately rectify it. So... Um, I'm mentioning it because it was kind of easier at that point in time to incorporate um, all our food then under um, a mix of his requirements and my requirements. So yes, our family diet changed because, um, you know, we used to eat pasta once a fortnight and, you know, I would make a quiche or frittatas or, um, you know, baking for the kids every day for their school lunches. And that would make my, that was making my son unwell. So um, that test and my results have meant that, um, so I'm not making three meals, <laughs> three variations of meals for my family every day for every meal. Um, we've all changed the way I, we eat. So we've pretty much removed um, most most flours and glutens and grains from our, our overall home. So I went through the pantry and I just took everything out and I just made these big boxes and sent them off to a friend's house and said here you go and it was all beautiful organic high quality flowers and grains and lentils and gorgeous things and I was just like no we're not having these in our house anymore we don't need to use them (laughs) so they all went out the door um so for us things have been simplified in if you want to cut it down to the basics we've gone back to um just very plain, simple foods that are based around um, the vegetables or um, ingredients that are available from the garden at the moment and usually a protein or a fish. Um, We don't tend to have so many vegetarian meals now because of the um, our inability to have the egg um, for my son and also for me because I I also have an issue with egg. Um, so yeah, it has it has changed, but everybody's come on board because <laughs> I don't have time to make three meals a day for everybody. <laughs> Fair enough. And um, what's been the reaction with your kids? How have they? Um, what have they thought about this change to the way that the whole house is eating? Um, my, my eldest son who was diagnosed with the intolerances, he's been really amazing. He's just quickly adapted and he's completely unfazed by it because he feels better. Um, you know, he has no more pains in the stomach. He doesn't come home looking washed out at the end of the day after school because he's been concentrating so hard on trying to hear the teacher but not be distracted by his stomach pains. So, you know, for him... it it's been 
it's fantastic and he's had the opportunity to test all these new treats and I've let him you know in the past I would have said you know don't waste that food if even if the kids didn't like it I was more inclined to say no eat it it's good food and that's what I've got for you to eat we went through this whole process with him where he was allowed to just try all these new things and see if he liked them and if he didn't like them he didn't have to eat them and we wouldn't use that as a substitute snack or whatever it was we were trying to work out at the time so um, you know he found it quite exciting I think (laughs) Um, the rest of the family, my husband's actually been surprisingly good with it. <laughs> I thought that um, he would struggle with it more, but he's saying that he actually feels much better without the with the change in the in the slight modifications in the diet as well. Um, you know, sometimes I'll have egg in, eggs in the fridge so he can have egg on toast or whatever in the morning if he feels like it. But the rest of the family kind of has their own thing. So yeah, I think it's been a positive. A positive thing for everybody and my little boy we haven't bothered testing but he's never wanted to eat egg he's always refused to eat egg so I'm assuming that he also has the same intolerance to egg but he was always being clever enough to know that and always <laughs> refused it so he just doesn't get them now either so they're just you know some things just smooth out in the wash I guess how interesting. What a positive <laughs> impact this has had on the whole family. And it's not just yourself who's feeling better, but your son is feeling better as well. And that just, to me, makes me so happy. And I think that if we can get our young people, our kids and our younger adults getting well quicker, then they're not likely to end up like us older people who have been chronically unwell for a long time. Mm. And it can take us some time to get over SIBO and other conditions that we have. In terms of knowing when the right season is for food, how can people find out when food is in season and when they should be eating it? Um, There's – in terms of growing it, on my website you can find a free seasonal planting guide. So it's divided up by season. It tells you what you can plant for each season. So you can find that – out of freshlegacy.net under the menu item helpful resources and then on the home page there's also a number of posts that um, talk to you about getting your garden started so for me I know something's in season because it's it's ready to harvest in my garden um, that's my primary indicator you can you can tell by what's in season in the stores. Um, In Australia, stores need to label whether an ingredient has come from overseas or not, as in a fresh food produce produce item. There's also a number of websites that um, are farmers market based that you can type in uh, seasonal if you google seasonal food Melbourne for example that will bring up a list of the fruits and vegetables that are in season for the current um, period. And you can change that away from Melbourne to other areas if you're not in Melbourne, obviously. And I've got those links in the show notes. um, And I believe that you've got – well, we've got the seasonal guide that we can um, link to all listeners. It's based on the Australian season. So if you are in the Northern Hemisphere, I don't know, does your seasonal guide list by month? 
No, it doesn't. It's just by season. So it just says, yeah. Oh, okay. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world because we have a lot of listeners in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, Then you can just use based on your seasons. And if people want to connect with you, you have given them your website. But how else can people connect with you? Uh, So you can find me on all social media as uh, A Fresh Legacy. So Facebook, Instagram is where I mostly hang out. Probably Instagram is my favourite Favourite piece, but um, otherwise my email details you can find also via freshlegacy.net. Wonderful. And if anybody wants to see the beautiful produce coming out of your gardens, then Instagram is the place to go. I'm often looking at your Instagram feed (laughs) thinking that it looks so lovely and I just need some space so I can grow a few more things. Oh, you're doing well if you've got your balcony going. That's a great start. I can't claim too much credit. It really is my partner doing that. He's much more of a green thumb than I am. But we have a little worm farm which takes all of our green waste and our vegetable waste and um, we've got our little herbs. So we're doing what we can in a very small balcony space. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the Healthy Gut Podcast today and talking about your own personal journey with gut health and SIBO. And I think it's just great to hear a story of turning a condition like SIBO into a positive, growing your own food, reconnecting with making some time for yourself. And I just thoroughly love the concept of celebrating food that you and your kids are growing and having that family time on a um, Sunday afternoon to sit down and just reconnect with each other. And you know what? I'm going to go and implement that myself. I think that is just such a great thing to do. So turn off the devices, turn off the laptop and the iPad and sit down and actually have a conversation. Thanks so much for sharing and coming on the show. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Kirsty Barchak. If you would like to get a full transcription of today's episode or the show notes or any of the links that we mentioned on the episode, you can head to thehealthygut.co forward slash grow. There you'll find a link to the SIBO quiz that will give you an indication of the likelihood that you have SIBO, also information on the biphasic diet, the fast track diet. Also, you can download our free food and mood diary and also a seasonal guide for fruits and vegetables. And here's the exciting part that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. We also have some really fun specials coming out this month because it's my birthday at the end of the month and I love celebrating it. So I want to I want to share the love, share it with you guys, my gorgeous podcast listeners. All you need to do is head to our Facebook page where every single week we're going to be releasing some new specials or promotions just for our customers. So head over there to the Healthy Gut Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the healthy guts with an S on the end. The other exciting news I have for you is I am just about to be launching a brand new SIBO coaching program. When I went through my SIBO journey, I realized that, you know, there was so much more I needed to do around getting well that was in addition to taking the medication that I took to kill off the bacteria. 
And so I'm now really excited to be able to offer a program for those of you with SIBO who are looking for some extra support. I know exactly what it feels like to be chronically unwell. I was sick for 36 years and today I feel amazing and I'm looking forward to working with people just like you to help get you there. Now, if you are interested in learning more, there's a no obligation sign up so that you can tell me you would like to hear more about this program. Simply head to thehealthygut.co forward slash interest and you can say to me, Rebecca, I'm interested. Tell me more. There's no obligation to sign up um, for a program. It's just that I will tell you a little bit more about it. And for those of you who are those early birds, the ones that sign up early and first, then there will be some extra special gifts for you guys to say thank you for being part of the community of people who sign up first. So head to thehealthygut.co forward slash interest. Now, I love hearing your feedback, so don't forget to write a rating and review in iTunes or the app that you use to listen to this podcast. And you can connect with us on all our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Pinterest, and Google+. Just look for us under The Healthy Gut. Coming up on next week's show, we have an absolute cracker. I am interviewing Dr. Norm Robillard, who is the creator of the Fast Tracked Diet, a diet that is used quite commonly for treatment with SIBO. Dr. Robillard shares with me his own personal journey around his own digestive issues and how he developed the diet, why he developed the diet and how it can be used. Plus, we get to answer a whole bunch of questions that my listeners asked me to ask Dr. Robillard before the episode aired. So I look forward to sharing that with you next week. You've been listening to the Healthy Gut Podcast with your host, Rebecca Coombs. To learn more about the Healthy Gut or our podcast, head to thehealthygut.co forward slash podcast. And as we are fully funding this podcast, if you would like to help support the continuation of this podcast so that we can continue to bring you future episodes, all you need to do is make a contribution at thehealthygut.co forward slash podcast. We would like to thank Belinda Coombs for the production, editing and original music score of this podcast. To hear more of Belinda's music, head to soundcloud.com forward slash Belinda Coombs. The Healthy Gut Podcast is a production of The Healthy Gut. Thanks for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial. 
plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.